How high would Keontae George go in a way too early 2023 NBA draft redraft? Find out next on Locked On Jazz. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Jazz. Leaf Tulane with you here again. All As always, excited to be with you. Joined by Richard Stamen. You guys know me. You're starting to know him. I'm a lifelong jazz fan who's worked as a credentialed draft analyst for Locked On NBA Big Board, attendee of the 2023 Combine, jazz broadcast assistant, statistician, and lover of college basketball, which has put me in a pretty good position to tell you how, how I feel about some of these draft prospects along this process where I've hosted for you, and now how I think they'll fare in the NBA, which, as you guys know, I adore as well. So, Richard's joining me again, locked on NBA Big Board co-host along with me and, of course, Rafael Barlow. Richard, overall great guy, unfortunately a Mavericks fan, though. And but he, he's he's here for the ride, but I think he'll give a unique exp, uh, perspective on some of these prospects because I've told you guys how I feel about a lot of them, where I'd rank them along the process. So there may be some back and forth between Richard and I as to where we'd rank them, where Keontae George is. If you guys listened the other day, every day, thank you. We talked about Keontae George and our expectations for year one and in the future. And Richard and I differed a bit there. So as I mentioned just a second ago, thanks again. Then, like, thank you again and, and always for making Locked on Jazz your first listen each and every day. And remember, Locked on Jazz is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube, which we're trying to grow at Locked on Jazz, which the best way to help us grow is to comment anything below. Today's question is how many all stars will there be from this draft class? I'll probably ask Richard that one as well. And as you see below, Today's show is brought to you by Bird Dogs, and I'm rocking my Bird Dogs hat I've been living in recently. I've been golfing in it. I've been playing tennis in it. And today I just commentated a a soccer match outside in it because I didn't want to get sunburned. Anyway, Richard and I are going to talk some ball, and we're going to talk about the draft, something we really love. And we're going to talk about what different tiers there are in the first segment. How high does Keontae have to be to infiltrate this type of tier? Second segment, we'll continue our redraft. We're going to go... Just do the lottery. In the final segment, we're going to finish the the redraft and talk about maybe does Taylor Hendricks infiltrate it, even if we think, like we said the other day, that he may be on limited minutes. All right, let's dive right in. Richard, how are you? I'm good. It's good to be back, even if you roasted me for half of that, but it's good to be back. (laughs) Hey, what's a little friendly banter, man? Like You have to have it. Have to have it. Richard's a sharpshooter. I'll give him that. Okay. So speaking of sharpshooters, there are some good shooters in the top. What's the tier that you have to say is just out of reach unless something very impressive happens for Keontae George? Like what is your tier that that he can't quite approach regardless of your high expectations that we talked about yesterday? Yeah, I, I don't know if – I think if his – like you're talking like if his, he hits his best outcome, like where, where does he go in a redraft kind of thing? Because that's how I'm looking at it. Yeah, that and then just is there a place that's not attainable for him? Because this is a good draft class. Yeah, I mean, so one of the things with Keontae George was always going to be high-level shot maker. And with that, I think he's kind of capped out as like the fourth or fifth best player. And that feels kind of generous just because he would really have to be an efficient shot maker like and be able to be a good ball handler, playmaker. His defense would have to – he has the tools to be a good defender, but he has to really be successful in that regard. I think everything has to go right for him to get there. But, and that's mostly because of his archetype, right? He's an undersized combo two guard uh, that doesn't really 
hang his hat on one particular thing in any one area. But ultimately, I think, you know, would it shock you if he's like something like six man of the year contender, the same way Lou Will was and like things like that, or Jordan Clarkson staying local, if I may. But also, you know, you could see something like uh, the highest, most optimistic version. If he gets to that top five range, he's made an all-star game at that point. That's that's kind of where I would go with both draft position and just what the role looks like. All right. So let's just name a few players from this last class and tell me if there's a possibility to surpass them. I'm going to I'm going to start at the top when Benyama, I, I think he's in this tier that's probably pretty much impossible to attain for Keontae George. Just Correct. based off his architect. Uh, let's go. Let's go in order of where the, where they're drafted, as opposed to our big boards. Um, Brandon Miller. Do you think Keontae George can approach Brandon Miller in a redraft? Yes. Okay. I, I I agree a little bit. I don't think he catches Scoot Henderson though, who who I've had two um, ahead of Brandon Miller throughout the entire process. Correct, and I agree with that. Okay. Now here's where it gets a little interesting, but I think we're going to have a delineation in two picks. But at least there's an argument I could see happening at four. So at four, Amon Thompson went to the Rockets. We're redrafting just on on who they are as players, not necessarily where they're drafted. Like so, if we're if we're picking later on in this, we're not necessarily saying this is who they should have picked fit wise. Like you, like some people do years years in advance when they when they redraft again. But I think Amon Thompson's hard to pass. I think there's a way in which Keontae George is in a similar tier. I just think it's hard for him. His upside doesn't quite loom as large as Amon Thompson's, or for that matter, Osar's, in my opinion. Yeah, I think I think he could surpass a star. That's a big question mark for me, though, because I've just been in general a little bit lower on him than I think than most. The playmaking is nice. I think we saw a lot of flashes of it in summer league. But again, the my my main concern for those who didn't know this was he did not create for himself in the half court against OTE. How does that scale up? And then the jump shot. Yeah, he's better than his brother at shooting a star, but that's not the highest bar. So those two things I really need to see. Summer League was nice, and obviously the feel for the game is so strong that he'll make up for some areas, but I think he's got limitations, and ultimately I, I do think Amen is probably an unattainable ceiling for Keontae to surpass. Osard is uh, like realistic. I'm, I'm a little bit higher on Osar. I, I think the issue for him is that he's playing with two on-ball guards, and I think that limits his potential. That said, I think he's going to be an all-defensive team player pretty much from the get-go like I doubt he gets it as a rookie but I think he's going to be regarded as such and then offensively I think with more opportunity I think he's going to be better than people think so to me that's where the delineation is I think there's a top five that's pretty hard to attain I do have one player uh, that I think is going to end up ahead of Keontae George that we haven't mentioned yet and I'm assuming we'll have him here I wonder if you have a different tier what do you make of Jairus Walker so I had him as my sixth ranked player in 2023, but I, I think that's tough. If if everyone's hitting their ceiling, I think I think Jarvis Walker's going to finish above uh, Keontae George. So that's the thing. I think Keontae George is more likely to hit his absolute ceiling than Jarvis Walker, but I think Jarvis Walker has more outcomes um, that are better than Keontae George's most likely ones like it's it's if he hits his 80 percent, his 80 percent is better than Keontae George's 80 percent, and that's yeah. that's where that's where I think to me that's where the delineation is so spin it however you want in terms of order like Richard mentioned Brandon Miller was the second pick um there's a way Keontae could pass him I, I agree 
but I think those six picks, if I were to redo the draft, those would be my top six. Would, would you would you agree with that regardless of order? I I don't think there's enough evidence to change it. My big board, you know, I, I personally I'd still put I, I had Taylor Hendricks over Jairus Walker, so I put Taylor in there. I don't have a problem with the other guys, though. I mean, I, I get it. Like, it's not exactly how my big board went, but I get it. Well, Jazz fans would be all right with that as well, and we're going to talk some more Taylor Hendricks. Uh, let's let's talk about what has to happen for Keontae to infiltrate the top five, because I don't think that's impossible. Like, we're potting him as probably seventh here, and we'll, we'll talk about our actual picks in just a, in the next segment. But just give me a breakdown of what type of player – do you think both numerically and just the archetype of player, we know he's going to be a score first point guard, a combo guard, but what type of numbers does he have to put out by year three, by year five, year seven to warrant top five or to warrant top uh, top seven? And what's the difference? Yeah. One of two ways for me is I think he has to either be an elite six man kind of thing, like already into that role, or he's going to probably, I mean, I think year three, flirt with 20 points a game and that's probably going to be like 18 points a game three to four assists a game and be efficient shooting like you can't be at 43 percent. you got to be 45 plus i think that i think that's the bar uh, and it's that simple and what what so if this were to be done like 10 years from now there's going to be a point where people say well how many all-stars does this have and it gets dicey do you think Keontae george has all-star potential Yes, because if you're if you're a dynamic shot creator at all three levels, like Keontae George in theory is, yeah, especially at that size, like it's tough. But also, we've seen guys pull it off. Like he's what six four, six five, honestly, yeah. maybe even six three. But like he's somewhere in that window. It's not impossible, but everything does have to go right for him. All so right, all star. So, uh, I I agree, and I think the only player. There's two players in that list that I think have a possibility of having impact that's great, even if their individual stats preclude them from being an all-star, and that would be Jarris Walker and Osar Thompson, both of whom I think have higher absolute ceilings, but they're less likely to attain than Keontae George, but their 80% outcomes are better than Keontae George's 80% outcomes. So I think it's fair to group them in. So we're going to continue our redraft. We're going to talk about the players that are in this tier. Are there any other players that Richard would take over Keontae George? Because I've told you guys before I'd put Keontae sixth or seventh. I think I'd take him seventh on this given day. But first, let's tell let's talk about bird dogs. I, I mentioned at the outset, I am rocking my bird dogs hat. I've been wearing it for hours as I commentated soccer. I wore it yesterday to play golf. I wore it a couple days before that to play tennis. I've been living in my bird dog shorts, which I wore to play basketball today. And I wore them to play golf, a different pair. And, and bird dogs have been awesome, giving us some, some gear. And you'll be gifted with some extra gear as well with the purchase of bird dogs. Awesome pants. I, I haven't worn the pants yet. I don't know if you have, Richard. They look awesome. I'm, I'm excited. Bird dogs truly make you look great. Like that's the fit is, is awesome on all types of bodies all tops, types of legs. If they're long or they're short, they really fit and make give you a sculpted look. They have stretched khaki shorts that are d- designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg and giving you a truly sculpted look. Bird dog shorts do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but fit way better, and they fit for any occasion. And only yesterday, like I mentioned, I golfed and then played basketball. So that's, that's the testament right there in the same pair of shorts. Bird Dogs does a great, great job mixing up the different – attire both for you know picnic barbecue to 
basketball where you sweat or you can even wear them to swim. So they're vo- they're versatile. And like I mentioned, the hat's my favorite too. go to birddogs.com slash locked on MBA or enter promo code locked on MBA at checkout for a free bird dogs water bottle with your order. That's birddogs.com slash locked on MBA for a free water bottle at checkout. You don't want to take your bird dogs off. We promised you. And I, I truly recommend it as highly as possible. Welcome back, Richard. We are drafting the 2023 NBA draft. And yes, they have not played any regular season games. I know it's a peculiar exercise, but a lot of interest for this jazz franchise right now is okay. How good can Keontae George get? Because we think we've got a guard of the future. The last time the jazz felt this way, they had Donovan Mitchell and they proved to be right. He just ended up uh, getting traded and the jazz are rebuilding and, and they ha- they're reaping the rewards of that trade with Lowry Market and a few other assets. So, However you want to spin it, Richard and I named off six players that are ahead of Keontae George. And Keontae is my seven, so it'll be Richard's pick for number seven. The players that are off the board are Victor Wenbanyama, Brandon Miller, Scoot Henderson, Amon and Osor Thompson, and lastly, Jarris Walker. And I have taken Keontae George at number seven, Richard Stamen. Who are you taking? Yeah, and I want to emphasize, I am not making a lot of changes. Like, I have... I'm boring. I've been very conservative about just the reactions I've, I personally have had to summer league and, and takeaways. And I don't mean to, to make you sound like reactionary because I know you're not, but <clears throat> for me, I'm sticking with at seventh, the guy who I put fifth on my board and that's Taylor Hendricks, who happens to be, I'm kind of going out of order for you here. Um, but I think for me, it's just that three and D power forward is such a unique role, especially one with a feel for the game like him and passing vision like him at the, at the size he is. I just feel like it's very unique and it's going to get him a lot more places than the average three and D player. So, I mean, jazz fans are, are probably aren't going to be like not happy with that. That's going to be awesome. What type of player, if he ends up seventh in a redraft, let's just say down the road and, and you're, you're right. What type of player do you envision? Because we talked about on the podcast the other day that our expectations are tempered for year one, year two, we hope he plays a bigger role. Year three is when we said, we hope he starts. And, and that all depends on John Collins and, and different health predicaments. But if you're going to be number seven in a redraft, you're going to have to be a, a very good starter. What what level of player do you predict Hendricks to be then? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> for me, it's I just I feel like he, you know, the value that say Jabari Smith had that made him a candidate to go number one. I think he provides a lot of that. You look at a two way forward. He's got versatility. He can pass. He can defend multiple positions. He can defend the perimeter and the rim at a high level. Like to me, that is something where it's. It, not a lot is going to change from year one to three in terms of what he does. It's going to be volume at that point. And I just, I feel like he's going to be a quickly efficient shooter. Also a good rim protector. He averaged the most blocks per game in the, in the conference more than Jairus Walker. I just, I think he's somebody who is just tailor-made, no pun intended. Uh, Cause I, I heard myself say that tailor-made for the NBA though, in, in all seriousness. I think I, I believe and every dayers may be able to fact check this. I think I said for him to warrant the ninth pick, even with a maybe lesser role initially for the jazz, I, I expect him by year three to be a starter by year four to be part of a team that's building for a real contending spot and be a guy who can, who's capable of scoring 15 to 17 points, play good defense, and grab you seven, eight boards. 
Um, so I, I agree. I just have, I have more questions as to the ability to get there as soon as possible. So that's your seventh pick. My, I'll, I'll go eight and we'll, we're not looking at each other's boards here. Number eight for me. And I think this would be a steal at eight would be Anthony black. Uh, Anthony black to me is in a weird situation in Orlando, but he looked like with NBA spacing, everything that, that you wanted from a guard who has playmaking and defensive chops look to look to be the part in the summer league level. We'll see how his spacing and his shooting translates with NBA spacing and the impetus being put on him to be a scorer as well as a facilitator. But I, I think they took him at six, and I don't think that's a mistake. So taking him at eight, I think, is is a good good location. How about you? Yeah, he was my next available. I would have taken him too. Uh, you look at somebody who <clears throat> is just so advanced at such a young age, and he's also raw, especially on the defensive end. Like He's not raw on the defensive end, but he's advanced there. And then he's raw in other areas like turnovers. He mightily struggles with the, I'm from Dallas. He's from Duncanville, which is in the – uh, which actually is just a few miles south of me where I'm at currently. And I got to see him when he was in high school and the turnovers have always been an issue. It was a turnover. He had turnover issues at Arkansas. He had turnover issues at summer league. He had turnover issues at Duncanville. Once he gets past that hurdle in a couple of years, I think that is what's really going to make a breakout for him. So I love his game. I warmed up to him very late. I thought he was kind of more of an idea than an actual prospect, but you watch his defense He's a he's a massive impactful player. Like at a minimum, you got a positive defender that is athletic towards the rim. And Arkansas spacing was so bad, you kind of hinted at it with the NBA spacing. I really think he's gonna shine. And also Orlando's added more shooters, I think, and being able to play with just a real NBA offense is going to do him lots of wonders. So for those counting, I've taken Keontae George, Richard at seven in the same pick. He also took a Jasmine. He took Taylor Hendricks. So that means Keontae George is still on the board for Richard. For me, he is gone. I At nine, I think there's a delineation of talent. I think this is where the draft descends in talent. And there's either you take guys with big upsides or you take someone you think is projectable. And I'm going to take a guy with an upside swing here that I think has a role where he's going to be a role player early, but he's got a chance to be very impactful. I'm going to go with Derek Lively Jr., at number nine. I don't think that's going to be the most popular pick in this, but my rationale is essentially he's going to play a role immediately, be a anchor defensively. I know he's often compared to Tyson Chandler. Now Tyson Chandler's on the Maverick staff. He was a Maverick, but I really think he can play a role similar. He's going to impact shots. He's going to dunk the ball. He's going to play within himself defensively, uh, alter shots around the rim, be able to slide. And, and I really believe in impact at this, this point being very important. Like you don't have to be an all-star to be the ninth best player in a draft. You have to be someone who's impactful for a winning team. And I think he can really help a team win, especially when their best players, Luka Doncic. Yeah. I I'm, I'm not as high on Derek Lively personally. Um, I do see the light a little bit, but he's got such a long way. I don't think he plays much this year, to be honest. Like he, He's still in summer league. He had a hard time adjusting to the speed of guys shots at the rim, right? Where he would jump and what maybe in college had been a block. He was late and the ball was already off the backboard and at best he goaltends. So for me, I think, I think he's got a little bit of ways to go. He's got some learning curves to go over. Um, I think though, if he can master that role and, you know, utilize touch. That was also an issue, I think, in summer league and really in Duke. It was a major concern. If those two things can get improved quickly, 
and it's not just rushed improvements. It's like genuine improvements that happen fast because he gets it. I'm I'm way more sold personally. I, I I have him not in the lottery in a redraft. All right. So so who are you taking at nine then? I'm going Bilal Kulabali. Um, he's somebody who I wish I was higher on on my final ranking. I put him 16, but I just I think he's going to be tough to keep off these re ranks. And also, it doesn't hurt him that he's going to be playing for a team where he has tons of freedom. So I like his game. I don't really remember his summer league stats, to be honest. Um, they were pretty pedestrian. They, they, they didn't shock yeah. anyone. Yeah. I, I feel like, though, he might take a minute to get warmed up. Maybe like till December. He might be, you know, riding the bench a little bit heavy. But you look at somebody who can just be this ver- very versatile two way wing. Uh, two ways. He's like, not even a wing. He's like his true small forward, I feel like. I feel like that's got a lot of value. So um, he's somebody I would I would put at the next spot. All right, we'll do number ten on, in this segment, then we'll move on to the rounding out the lottery. Number ten for me, I was between Bilal Kulabali and this guy, both both sensational athletes. I'm going to go with Cam Whitmore from Villanova. He's with the Rockets. I'm a little lower on Whitmore than I was entering the draft. Obviously, the knee injury. But my concern is more the way he played in summer league. It was like him versus the world, and I think there's a place for that in terms of like the summer league's ugly, like muck it up. If you're able to score in that ugly situation, then there's something to be said. I I think it's talent is, is undeniable, but I do think there's going to be questions about how he plays with teammates, especially with a direction of the Rockets now being altered as they've brought in a few veterans. So that's my 10th pick. Who are you taking number 10 and does he play for the Utah jazz? No, uh, but I agree. The, the talent, like I was very high on Cam Whitmore. I had him number five probably till May, probably till the combine. And then I started realizing, huh, watch the coaching staff when he takes a shot at Villanova. Generally, you're going to see something like, what was that? Like questioning what he was doing. And you saw that in summer league where a three-on-one for him was an opportunity for him to shoot the ball every single time. He was – you could count on one hand some games how many times he passed. And that is concerning. Again, there's a time and a place. Generally, the time is Summer League or the place is the G League. Those are two places that do encourage that in some ways. But how he does that in a true NBA environment that needs to focus on winning basketball, I think he's got a little bit of a way to go to get there. It's not to say he can't do it, but I really do think he has to just refurbish how he plays. And that's just not going to happen overnight. I'm a little bit lower on him. Now, if we are talking pure upside, yeah, give me the ticket for him. I would have gone personally, uh, if you don't mind me spilling the beans, Kaysen Wallace. Okay. What, what's the rationale here with Kaysen at, at 10? He's which, is where, which is where he was taken. Yeah, he's a safe pick. So uh, I actually completely forgot about that. But for me, it's he's going to be a stud on defense, active hands. He's going to force turnovers. He can also shoot the ball, and I think he's got a lot of room to grow there. And he's quick think he can run a clean pick and roll. He had no pick and pop, man. Like Kentucky always hides their guards. I mean, always kind of struggle to find where the the hiding is. For me, it's the fact that they had one roll man ever. They only used him and Oscar. That was always the pick and roll. Oscar's pick and pop extends to the free throw line. In the NBA, he's going to have Chet Holmgren. Uh, he's, I mean, honestly, whatever lineup you want to put out there, Aaron Wiggins runs the four. I'm throwing some deep cuts with him, but – you know, they're going to have the pick and pop opportunities where the floor is spaced and he gets the shooters where he did not have that at Kentucky. And I think he's going to look a lot better as a playmaker. So that's, that's really my rationale with him. All righty. Well, we'll see if Richard has 
Keontae George and the rounding out the lottery. We'll see if I have Taylor Hendricks rounding out the lottery. We're, we're talking about if these guys hit versus if they, uh, are, if we're playing safe and and we're talking about different rationales in between. So sometimes you're going to see the reasons be different for the two of us because we evaluate differently, but I think it gives you a good perspective of how teams are going to value these players down the road, at least the way we project them to. But before we talk about if Sensabaugh, Hendricks, or Keontae George ends up in the tail end of the lottery for Richard and myself, we're talking about Murdoch Hyundai here in Utah. Murdoch Hyundai has been in Utah for over 80 years. Hyundai is the best car for your money with safety features, bells, whistles, and all in amazing colors and prices. It's uh, they're all they're all standard edition. They're phenomenal. The SUV lineup features the Kona, the Tucson, the Santa Fe, the Palisade, and the Ionic Five electric was named the Motor Trend SUV of the year by Motor Trend this year. And that new Ionic Six is even better. It's electric, looks just like a Porsche, and just won the World Cup or excuse me, World Car of the year. So you know. There's some prize, there's accolades to the name, and plenty of testimonials from normal people like me and you to, to claim these are phenomenal cars. Three locations, Lyndon, Murray, and Logan, so go get yourself a Murdoch Hyundai, and as always, go Jazz. Thanks for making Locked On Jazz your first listen, and with your, with your second, perhaps tune in to, you know, Richard, more Richard Stamen because he's phenomenal, but there is a question here, Richard, where is Keontae George? Because we talked about how he could be an all-star. How low does he fall for you? Cause we're on pick 11. We'll, we'll go to you first here. Well, I want to emphasize something. He's going to go higher. If I had to re-rank my board, he moves up. Mm-hmm. So it's not a knock on him. I had him 25th. So seeing him in here would be an upset. I'm going back and forth after every pick of, do I put him there? And I don't know. I'm just going. I'm going back and forth. We'll we'll just have to find out and see. All right. So so who is eleven then? Yeah. So for eleven, for me, I, I was gonna say. Uh, I think this would actually put right Case and Wallace. So you had Case in at ten. Oh, that was ten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. You're right. I I would put Grady Dick here. Um, I, I agree with you. There, there. The tier around eight is where it falls. I get it. I disagree. I get it. He didn't look great in summer league. The Raptors had the worst summer league team. It was a terrible spot for him. I'm still holding hope. I think he's going to be a great shooter. I'm not changing what I, I I just, I feel like he does everything the right way on offense with or without the ball. I think he's going to find a lot of success in a, in a Toronto system that favors those kind of guys. I I think his upside is minuscule compared to Keontae George. That's fair. I, I that also fair. think that Keontae George is just as good a shooter as Grady Dick because he does it differently. But sure. but you know what? To each their own. Uh, I, we, we've bad, battled this one back and forth in person a couple times, but I wish we had more time, but we do have to keep it rolling. So I'll give you my 11th pick. My 11th pick is Bilal Koulibaly. Uh, I think at a certain point, you got to take some upside um in these picks and i think koulibaly like you like you accurately mentioned will be given the opportunity which is essential early in his career to have the ball in his hands and do a lot who who do you have at 12 i i'm having some second thoughts but i think it's going to be kobe buffkin i think he's somebody that like we've seen the rumors about the trey young stuff and i think there's i think there's very legitimate so like just i don't think that's smoke i think there's very like there's legitimacy to that and if he's gone, I kind of think DeJounte Murray may be gone and they just clean house of clutch guys. 
and suddenly Kobe Buffkin's there. And I think he has a lot of upside just in general, being so such a young sophomore. Like I, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, he was 19 on draft night. And yeah, he was. And I just I feel like he can there's no holes in his game. He's good at a lot of stuff. He's not great at any one thing just yet, but he has a really good chance to get there. So I love the idea of Kobe Buffkin breaking out after in a post Trey Young era in Atlanta. And I think that post Trey Young era could be honestly before 2026. So he'd still be on his rookie contract. All right. Well, if that happens, I think opportunity is the key word there. Number 12 for me, I'm going to go with Case and Wallace. Uh, I think Case and Wallace fell to a spot in Oklahoma City with the trade, the Mavericks trading, knowing that they could get lively at 12. It, that really behooves the way he plays. It puts no pressure on him to score out of system. He's going to score attacking closeouts, hitting open shots. He can run pick and roll. He can operate as a backup guard to Shea. He can argue. Uh, he can work as a two guard complementing Shea. I think that's a very good landing spot for him. I think his potential is a bit lower than some people, but I think his, his floor is pretty high and he fell in the right spot. All right. So we're at 13. Richard has a couple players that are notably missing here. If you're listening as a jazz fan, considering we talked about Kim Keontae, this is being a guy that could be an all-star. I had Keontae seven, but in fairness, Richard had Taylor Hendricks at seven, and I haven't chosen him. Do either of us choose in our final two picks here a jazz player? Richard, at 13, your pick is? I I think now he's – I'm going to stop the slide. Keontae George is off the board. You've Alrighty. convinced me to be upside. I can see it. Because, again, so- he was 25th on my, my final pre-draft board. Yeah. Well, so here's the thing. You you said he could be in year three pretty feasibly 18 and four. I think 18 and four by year three is going to lead, land him in the top 10. And that that's if he hits it. But I'm just that's, saying. Yeah, yeah. That was under the assumption he hits this year. I, I'm not that optimistic that does happen. That's why he's okay. so low, to be fair. I, I, think, I think many people, I think that's probably close to what he is. I actually think that's possible. I think his ceiling could be higher. I think a lot of jazz fans listening to this will be like, wow, what are you talking about? Because we think he can be an all-star because the last time we had a player score this much was Donovan Mitchell. I don't think he's quite got the athletic traits that Donovan Mitchell had because Donovan Mitchell, by the time his rookie year ended was the lead rookie three point shooter ever. That, that record has still has since been broken, but he was a very good shooter and he was a phenomenal athlete. And Keontae George is an above average athlete, maybe at the NBA level because he's got this twitchiness. He's above average at the point guard position. All right, at 13 for me, I've got a player that I was very high on throughout the process. He played very well in the summer league. He went number 33 in the draft. That's Leonard Miller. I think he's going to well outplay his projection. Leonard Miller was, I I couldn't believe he didn't go in the first round. He was a man amongst boys in the G League. Well, he was a boy and they were all men. And now he's going to the the NBA and I think it's going to be easy for him. I think he's going to, find his way into a role in Minnesota for a team that sometimes needs athleticism to pair with some of their backup bigs. Like you're going to see them play big lineups. He can, he can complement play on the interior. He can play on the outside shots a little funky, but if it improves slightly, you're getting a talent that was once regarded as a top notch talent with ball handling skills. And now he turned himself into a motor first player. Uh, I'm really high on Leonard Miller. I really like him. Uh, I was torn on putting him in my last spot. But All right, 14, Richard Stamen to round out his lottery. I'm I'm debating, do I butter up the entire fan base here? And take Bryce Sensabaugh? 
I, I mean, like, because there is a legitimate path. Because, you know, like, here's where I'm at. There is a legitimate path. We talked about this the other day when we talked about all the the jazz rookies that they they picked. Not not every single rookie, but one of the things we said was, you know, tough shot making. There's defensive tools. Like, there is a and he's an elite shooter. There's a legitimate path for him to be a lottery return value, but. At the same time, how how likely is it? And also, there's a few other guys. Like, he's in this weird tier where it's like, yeah, but so could he is what you say about, like, everyone else here. And I, I just – I have a two-way tie. Like, I'm going to go with probably Bryce Sensabaugh because of that. And I, I did have him at one point higher than yeah, – you, um, you had him top 10 at one point, right? I had him 10, exactly. Yeah. So, I should go with the who I had higher on the final pre-draft board, which would be the other person. And this person's on the net, but I'm going to go against my gut and not pick Tariq Whitehead because I do think if every if everyone's healthy, Tariq Whitehead, like it was only because of injury he slipped. Nothing and, to do with his skill. And, and do you still have Whitmore on the board? Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm passing okay. up. I'm doing what everyone did on June 23rd. Gotcha. I uh, or whatever night. I think that's what night it was. And yeah, I'm taking Bryce Sensible. All right. Well, a jazz man rounds out Richards. He's got all three jazz players, which really bodes well. If that happens, the jazz will certainly be happy. And I actually am taking Taylor Hendricks at 14. I had this on my draft and I'm not doing this to butter up jazz fans. As you guys know, I am a diehard fan, but I have been pretty clear on my takes about these different players. I think Hendricks has the archetype that's going to be very coveted in the NBA. So value to me is going to be added by what he can do. That is rare because he'll be a secondary rim protector alongside Walker Kessler who can space the floor. He shot 39% as a freshman. He's a tremendous athlete, does not need the ball to score, doesn't need to score to impact the game. And when you're contending like the jazz are expecting to do, and I expect the jazz to do in a couple years, you're going to need a player like that. And if you're building your roster in terms of not statistics comp- uh, compiled, but in terms of what player gives us the best chance to win, I think Taylor Hendricks has a better chance to be in the lottery than he does based off statistics. That said, I gave you a real pitch a couple months ago about around draft day after the Jazz took him that I said, you know what, Taylor Hendricks will give you 17-9. and nine. They ended up trading for John Collins, and I think that changes his trajectory. But if he develops under John Collins, then he emerges as the starter by year three, year four, I still think that's completely feasible. And in which case I think he's likely a top 10 guy and Richard had him top 10. So that'll do it for us. And as a fun exercise, hopefully the jazz end up with as many representatives in a redraft in the lottery, as we say, because that likely means the jazz are going to be pretty good. So thank you for listening as always. Thanks for making locked on jazz. Your first listen. I'm looking forward to being back with you. I'm going to have some coaches that I'm trying to get in a hold of to tell you about the wild West, which is the, the busy Western conference where I think there are 13 teams with enormous amounts of talent. Where do the jazz stack up in the West does will Hardy and, and the impressive rapport he's he's building and the cohesiveness of the Utah jazz stand a chance against some of these talented rosters. Well, we'll find out in, in episodes next week. Thanks for Richard for hopping on and check out him and Raphael and, and maybe I'll be on there. I haven't been on as much recently after doing this on locked on NBA big board for your next listen. And as always, you guys know what I'm going to say. It's going to be pretty repetitive, pretty redundant, but let's go jazz.